social warfare, information weapons, and psychographic profiling. These are all some of the things that we'll be covering in today's podcast regarding Cambridge Analytica, the US elections, and how Russia ties into the whole situation. This is your host, Rashid Al-Hawley, and we're back with Data Science Uncovered. In today's episode, we'll be looking at how Cambridge Analytica came to be a part of the whole equation in the first place, and we'll take you from the very first step all the way through to how the Trump team got involved with Cambridge Analytica and how Russia came to be a part of the story in the first place. So let's start with the first person that actually brought this to light, and that's the young data scientist that was working on this project by the name of Christopher Wiley, a young Canadian who happened to be in London at the time, and Christopher Wiley was working for the SCA SCL group, which was a military contractor, and they were contacted by the one and only Steve Bannon, who then went on to become Trump's chief national strategist, as well as a big part of his campaign. And as we know now, he's actually been fired from office completely. But at the time, he made first contact with the SCL group and Christopher Wiley was working for them. So what happens is he comes in and a part of his whole mantra is trying to change the culture of America. And the way he thought would be to make that possible would be through some sort of what they call psychographic profiling, which he'd heard about, but he knew that the people that may be able to deliver on this would be SCL. And as a result, came an entire new company called Cambridge Analytica. So Cambridge Analytica is pretty much a sub-company of this SCL group, and it came about as a result of Steve Bannon's ability to convince Alexander Nix, who worked for SCL Group, and a billionaire hedge fund investor in New York by the name of Robert Mercer and his daughter to fund this company with an initial $15 million to build what ended up being a quote-unquote social warfare tool or an information weapon. So with that, they recruited the services of the SCL group, now forming a company called Cambridge Analytica that was going to take on contracts to build things such as information weapons. (coughs) By the way, with all this being said, I know it, it sounds pretty serious and pretty dreary, Uh, Cambridge Analytica at the end actually don't really offer as much as they appear to offer. So a lot of the times they, people that have worked with them throughout the year, throughout, throughout time, have actually said that they were quite a big flop. And in fact, Trump ended up getting rid of them from his campaign, but that's not, that's not the story of our, of our episode today. So they move on and the interesting part 
is this part in particular, and that is the building of the information weapon and the psychographic profiling, which pretty much go hand in hand. So what happens is they recruit Christopher Wiley here to find a means of building profiles of people using any means possible. So they want to profile people in the US so that they can build this culture change that Steve Bannon is so adamant and believes and believes in. So they they progress and the thing is Christopher Wiley's a bit stumped for a little while so he tries a few things especially the old school uh, demographic kind of profiling but he realizes he needs something a bit more and that's when he gets put onto a Cambridge professor by the name of Alexander Kogan who also happens to be an associate professor at the University of St. Petersburg in Russia. As you can see, the links are starting to appear by themselves. So he gets put on to this guy, and this, this guy actually has special permissions from Facebook to, condic- to conduct experiments in a new form of profiling, which he's donned psychographic profiling. And part of that, and this came out in the email, some of the email exchanges between Dr. Kogan and Christopher, Christopher Wiley. Part of that is a whole new, deeper understanding of people's personality through a whole heap of traits that they, that they demonstrate online. And these are some of the things that they looked for. Openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, neuroticism, life satisfaction, IQ, gender age, political views, religion, job, uh, university subject, concentration, self-disclosure, fair-mindedness, self-monitoring, you know, does, does your personality change depending on who you're with, sensational interest, uh, f- and belief in star signs. So see, these are some of the aspects of personality traits that Alexander Kogan was using from Facebook profiles to build this psychographic profiling mechanism. And by the way, this was after, you know, Cambridge Analytica had approached the psychometric center at Cambridge University and they'd refused to get involved with them in this project of psychographic profiling. And... From the consequences and the fallout of what's happened, we can sort of see why they would have refused. So, Mr. Wiley then, after being approached by Dr. Kogan, took these things on board. And thing is with Dr. with Dr. Kogan is he'd already been conducting these experiments, and he had special permission and access to this sort of information, and. The selling point was that he could determine a person's actions not only before they could even consider what they were going to do, but he knew people from these profiles better than most people knew, for example, their spouses or even their best friends. And that's where the biggest gain came for the likes of Cambridge Analytica. 
So they moved on, they progressed, and from there they went on to build this information weapon that was data profiles of 50 or so million people within the US. So the thing is, if as you can imagine, harvesting 50 million profiles, it's going to be very difficult to do uh, one by one. So what happened was, they initially were able to, over two months, harvest some like 270,000, I think it was, profiles. And from there, they just took all of their friends as well. And that's where the biggest problem in terms of ethics and privacy, as well as confidentiality on Facebook has come about. Because, all right, these people participated in the research willingly, you know, they, they volunteered the information over, but in the process to go in and then take all their friends' details as well, because what happens is if you take an individual's information, it's a lot harder to discern whether they're just, you know, they're just putting up that information on social media to present a certain profile. But when you start taking their friends' information, you start to validate or you can you can cross-validate whether the information that they're putting up on social is really true or, you know, they're, they're, what reasons they're actually using social media for by the friends that they have, especially if you've got, like most of us, we have, everyone has over 100 friends at least on Facebook, right? And from there, they were able to look into friends' characteristics, you know, likes, uh, what pages you follow, that sort of thing as well as cross-validating them with uh, friends, follows, friends, likes, and going from there to build these psychographic profiles. So in the end, it was actually a lot more than 50 million ended up extrapolating to 87 million profiles. Now, I just want to pause here for a second on the whole Cambridge Analytica case and actually talk about data science in general and why it's become so important, in fact, as important to the point where we can actually start building whole business models out of just data and information. So in the last 10 to 15 years, in particular with the rise of tech giants like Facebook, Google, Apple and Amazon, there's been an acceleration in the field of data science. And that's because there's been an, a massive amount of data being generated on a, on a yearly basis. So they say that every year we double the amount of data we previously had. So that, that's a ridiculous amount. Like you can't even put that on paper. That's how many numbers that is. So with these internet giants... Data science has accelerated, and as a result, and with just like with anything, you can either use a tool or use a set of tools for good or for evil. Unfortunately, in this case, those tools and the research that was done by Professor Kogan was used not for the best purposes. And that's the whole point of this podcast, actually, to examine the different kinds of use cases that data science is being implemented throughout the world and throughout 
different industries and sectors as well as in business and to explore the innovations that data science has allowed to come about you know through AI and machine learning and to explore the unfortunate consequences of such power at our fingertips. So back to the story now. So Professor Kogan is able to pass, pass up these 50 million or so profiles to Christopher Wiley and he gets to work putting these psychographic profiles together and eventually what happens is Alexander Nix, who's actually come under fire since then and I think is out of the job and Cambridge Analytica as well as SCL Group have been disbanded as a result because Facebook used the massive leverage they've got and cracked down on them, especially when they knew that they hadn't deleted all the data of these people at the time. And Facebook pretty much sent them into into bankruptcy and broke up the, the company completely. But before before that point, they've been able to get these profiles and actually even before they got to the Trump campaign, they were trialed in a Ted Cruz campaign for the midterms in 2014. And in fact, this young data scientist who was able to harvest these profiles, which by the way, cost somewhere around the million dollar mark to harvest all these profiles in a space of two months. He only worked on the Ted Cruz campaign. He didn't, he wasn't actually a part of the company to work on the Trump campaign at all. So they worked on the Ted Cruz campaign and in fact, they copped a lot of flack because it didn't really work for them. So Ted Cruz was unhappy with the results. And we know that even in political circles, there's this debate as to whether social media really does influence opinion, uh, social opinion or political opinion, and whether that actually translates into the ballot box. We can't really verify or confirm that, nor deny it, to be, to be honest, because there's no one really going around and asking whether you know, social media influenced your opinion. So they go from there and after that they were able to get in contact with with Trump's campaign manager and his campaign manager was wooed by Alexander Nix I'm guessing just like many of the others and Alexander Nix seemed to be seems to be quite a good hype man although a lot of people have said that he really doesn't deliver and I guess that's why he's he's out of the role at the moment so he was able to convince the Trump campaign manager and they even during it's weird that during the Ted Cruz campaign they were testing Trump slogans like drain the swamp and all the rest of it. Uh so they went ahead and they were eventually hired by the peop by the Trump by the Trump campaign but Believe it or not, they, they didn't even finish the whole campaign because they were they were unhappy with the results of the campaign. So they they actually got rid of them and they went back to your normal political consultants that use, you know, targeted ads, Facebook ads, uh, and paid marketing of the sorts. But where it gets interesting and where a lot of the controversy ties into this whole story is that Alexander Nix, in this time, especially after he got laid off from the Trump campaign, 
approached a Russian oil company by the name of Luke Oil. And we know that Alexander Kogan himself, who already had all this data, so he got Cambridge Analytica to pay for the harvesting, uh, and he was, in return, he was able to get all this data, and it was within his realm, he was able to use it however he liked it, and nobody knows whether there was an exchange of data or not, especially considering he was an assistant professor at St. Petersburg University. But when it came to the Luke Oil, which was a Russian oil oil company, Alexander Nix also pitched to them. And people, the right question would be to ask, what on earth is a uh, political a political consulting kind of company doing pitching their services to an oil, a Russian oil company. And that's where a lot of the questions have come in as a result as to, as a result of, you know, were they involved in trying to meddle in US elections since then? Uh, did they use their hacking abilities to try and influence the elections through this profiling and then, you know, using targeted campaign ads as a result in order to influence people's opinion? Were they trying to sway the American public to a certain direction? And things along those lines. The thing that we also need to remember about Cambridge Analytica is, yes, they had the information aspect of it, but the CSL group, also, the SCL group, sorry, also did things like use that campaign to drive their decisions from there. So they harvested this data, they profiled people, and then what would happen from there is they would build websites and blogs and ads and videos and then use the normal methods of marketing or targeted marketing to address those ads to the people that they think would work best on. So it's like, for example, finding a uh, neoconservative Republican uh, who would, you know, take well to your typical uh, re Republican advertising and then, you know, just targeting, targeting them with that advertising that they're used to seeing and you know they will respond well with and then just keep on feeding them more and more of that so that they get more cemented in their opinion. And one of the things that Christopher Wiley said and one of the reasons he he claims for his appearance on television and for this whole whistleblowing case is that he felt like the work he was doing was polarizing the society that he believed in and was terrible for the democracy that he lived in. And that was, and as you can see, if we keep sending someone down a rabbit hole, and this is actually a question that is being asked of tech giants like Google and Facebook, Google with YouTube and Facebook with its algorithms and Instagram and Facebook. Uh, if we keep sending people through algorithms that only reinforce their opinions, are we contributing to the increasingly polarized nature of the world that we're currently living in? So I think... 
that should about wrap it up for our Cambridge Analytica story. I hope you enjoyed the episode and you enjoyed what you heard. If you have any feedback, please feel free to get in contact with with me through my Instagram page, R-A-S-H-I-D underscore M-A-Y-A 94. On Instagram, you can direct message me or you can even email me at alhulir, E-L-H-A-W-L-I-R at gmail.com. And I look forward to hearing from you. Stay tuned for our next episode and see you then.